Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. So last year's year in giving was used to create our microsites. And without that generosity, it would not have been possible. My name is Stephanie Smock, and I am the receptionist at Johnson County Community Corrections in Franklin, Indiana. I specifically remember one um, sermon where Pastor Danny was talking about the new jail microsite and how they launched it, and God just laid it on my heart um, because I knew that I was in a position to where that could be a possibility for the Work Release Center too. Typically at a microsite, the impact team members, they set up the equipment, they serve breakfast and coffee, and then we live stream the service and they're able to experience worship. They receive the message, also the gospel, and afterwards they're able to participate in small group. When Emmanuel first started coming, it was, we're bringing food. And I was like, I can get him there for food, okay? Bring the food. As it started kind of going on, they kind of realized there's there's a little bit more than just food. Now they're hungry for the books. They want they want the Bibles. They want the devotionals. I think that their hearts uh, began to change because we were relentlessly pursuing them, and they wanted to know more about how they too could have a relationship with Christ. Before all this, um, I promise you, there was no Jesus in my building. <laughs> It's strange because it's not a very happy place, but um, they're happier. Um, they're partnering up. They're looking in the Word together. Um, they're going through the devotionals or they're asking prayer for another resident, not just about themselves now. And that's just not normally seen. So when the year in giving happened and we were told that we had enough money to get this thing launched, so the manual team came, and the time they came in, they brought the TV, they brought um, an iPad, and just supplies. And so our classroom became the sanctuary. The generosity of others, it allows us to go in as a church, to partner with the facilities, to relentlessly pursue the residents that are there. It gives them a second chance at life. Without your generosity, without the impact team coming, there wouldn't be all of this kindness going on. It's so incredible just to see the power that happens when people just give a little. And for our microsites, our microsite communities, we love you. We love coming in each week, bringing in the gospel and growing with you to build up our community. Don't you love our church? Amen.
Good morning, Emmanuel. Welcome to everyone joining us today, whether you're at the Greenwood campus here, the Banta campus, the Franklin campus, the Garfield Park, Park campus, or one of our microsites, the Johnson County Corrections, and also the Theodore House. Can we give it up for all of our locations right now? Joining us. <clears throat> I just got word that there is a situation over at Garfield Park where there's someone who is needing uh, some um, in, important medical assistance. So I'd like to just pl- pray for that person right now. Can all of our campuses just join together and pray for this person that's needing medical assistance right now at Garfield Park? Let's pray together. Father, you know what's going on right now in this person's life and what's going on in their body and what they need. And so I pray that you would provide um, the proper care. Uh, through the EMTs or whoever is there taking care of this person right now, and that you would help them physically uh, to recover from what's going on. And so we trust you right now and just lift this person up to you and that you would cover them, protect them, and assist them. And we trust that you hear our prayers and that you answer them. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So we'll keep praying for you over there at Garfield Park. Uh, We are wrapping up a series today called Greater Things, and what we've been talking about is raising the level of generosity across all of our campuses so that we can do even greater things moving into the future. Today is week three of that series, and we've been chatting a little bit about each week how, man, God has done some awesome stuff over the last 10, 12 years. We have really seen tremendous growth as a church. We've actually grown by 364% over the last 12 years, which is just phenomenal for a church. We've launched four different campuses. We're partnering with uh, organizations and churches in Nicaragua, Colombia, Africa, and Haiti. God's building churches there, orphanages. We're feeding children. Uh, we're providing clothes for children here locally in schools. We provide. We, we built a library this year, first time ever that you all built a library for a school, a group of kids that didn't have books. Uh, We're feeding children over the Christmas break downtown Indianapolis every single year. Uh, There have been some amazing things that have happened here. We've seen over 5,000 people put their faith in Christ over the last 12 years, and we've baptized over 1,400 people. Is that not amazing? God has done some awesome stuff. And and what's interesting is that we've only done it on about 21% of our potential. Now, I think in terms of coffee shops and coffee, I spend a lot of time there. Many of you know that. This is a Starbucks venti right here. Any Starbucks fans out there? Venti. What's your favorite drink? The white chocolate mocha? Venti? Any? Caramel macchiato? We got the new drinks that just came out, the Christmas drinks, right? They're they're very, very nice and sugary and expensive. This is a venti. If this is our potential as a church, if this is what we could be doing, this is what we're doing right now. Now, they don't even make these cups at Starbucks. We actually had to make this. Our, one of our artists here at the church drew that. I thought that was really cool. But this is about 21% of a venti. This is where we're at right now. Now, this is awesome. And I just shared with you many of the things that God is doing uh, all throughout our, our, our uh, communities here and then also throughout the world. But this is what we could be doing if all of the families at Emmanuel decided to jump in and say, hey, I want to be part of what's going on here. I want to help financially. And so we've been talking about that over the last two weeks, raising the level of generosity, not so that we can have a lot of money in some checking account or savings account as a church. No, no, no. But so that we can be a, a blessing and a resource to people in need locally and also globally. 
we can triple or even quadruple the impact that we're having and see God do greater things. And so today I want to talk to you about what I think is one of the biggest hurdles when it comes to generosity. And by the way, thanks for hanging on through this series. I know it's not always fun to talk about money in church. You know, these are the series and sermons that a lot of people decide to sit out or maybe go to another church and say, I'll come back when he's done talking about money. And a lot of you haven't, have not done that. So praise the Lord. I want to just clap for you for being here today. <clears throat> Last I heard, Mount Pleasant has not seen a surge in attendance over the last, uh, during this series. So, so that's good news. You guys, you guys have hung with me. And so I want to talk to you today about this, this hurdle, this obstacle to generosity. It's really simple. It's that we simply lack faith that God will resupply. We lack faith, we lack trust that God will resupply what we give. In other words, we're functioning from a scarcity mindset. Meaning that there's only, the, the pie is this big, and if I give you a slice of the pie, then I lose, I have less. Like, no one's going to replace the piece that I gave you, so when I give generosity, when, I, when I'm giving to others, I end up on the losing end of that deal. And I don't believe, no matter what you say, Pastor Danny, what the Bible says, that God will resupply what I give. And so because of that, a lot of us tend to, when the buckets are passed or whatever, when the pastor talks about generosity, we just sit it out. No thanks. I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on something else. I'll give my time or I'll, 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 do, I'll do whatever else, you know, the next series says to do. But this one, I'm going to sit it out. I want to talk to you today about this, this obstacle and I want to hopefully help you overcome this obstacle. You know, I read the Bible through every single year. I'm not bragging. It's just part of my weekly, yearly rhythm. And so I'm not an expert theologian or anything like that. I don't have a PhD in the Bible, but I'm very, very familiar with it because I read it through every single year, which means I read it every day. I read a portion of scripture. And I'm telling you from cover to cover, to, from cover to cover, this book has this promise weaved through the Old Testament, the New Testament, what the Apostle Paul said, what Jesus said. I want to show you a few different passages today that just kind of present this truth that if you are generous to others, God will be generous to you. Let's just, can we work through a few of these passages? Can we do that? Okay, here we go. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. The generous will prosper. Real simple idea. Those who refresh others, those who give to others, will themselves be, say it with me, all of our campuses, refreshed. It's just right there in the book of Proverbs. King Solomon wrote it. If you will bless other people, you will be blessed. You, you will reap what you sow, okay? In the New Testament, the apostle Paul got his stuff from Jesus, he was writing to a group of Christians to try to motivate them to be as generous as they can possibly be to a group of Christians in Jerusalem who were very, very poor. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, a little bit here, a little bit there, those who sow sparingly, another version says, that farmer will get a what? A small crop, okay? However, but, and there are a lot of buts in the Bible, and, and a lot of big buts in the Bible. That's a big one right there. And I know I'm going to get an email about that later, but that's okay. It's worth it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a lot of buts in the Bible. Okay, here we go. But, but, watch this. The one who plants, say it with me, generously, the one who throws the seed out there, just liberally, lots of seed, lots of seed everywhere, that farmer will get a generous crop. It's just in the Bible. It's just like you'll reap what you sow. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow liberally, you'll, you'll reap liberally. What did Jesus say about this? Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is what Jesus said. Give and it will be 
given to you. It's just a real simple principle. Like if you bless others, you will be blessed. Jesus says this, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Then he says, with the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. You will reap what you sow. If you sprinkle a little, you get a little. If you sprinkle a lot, you'll get a lot. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What in the world does that mean? Anybody know? Jesus would say things sometimes that unless you lived in the context of those days, you really don't understand. Well, let me give you, a, let me give you an idea of what he means here. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Back in the Old Testament times, the farmers were not allowed to harvest the corners of their fields. So if there was a big field, it's a rectangular or X, they could only harvest the center circle. And they would hire out workers and these workers would come in and they would, you know, harvest the center of the field and they would get down with their baskets and they were hourly paid workers and so they would fill up their baskets three quarters of the way, halfway, and then they would take them over and dump them over. And they didn't really want to fill up their baskets completely because that would mean that they would work less hours which would mean they would get paid less. So they were kind of haphazard with how they filled their basket. The corners of the fields were, were designed to be uh, f- for the poor people. Like it was written into the Mosaic law, you have to leave the corners for the poor people. So these poor people would walk miles and miles and miles to get to these corners of the field. And when they harvested the grain or the corn, they would get down with their baskets and they would put in a good measure and then they would press it down And then they would shake it together, and then they would put more on top, press it down, shake it together, what? To get all the air pockets out, right? All the little, you know, and then then they would do it a third time, and then they would take the basket, and they would walk all the way home with a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And that's exactly what Jesus meant. And he says, if you want a life that is overflowing with blessings... Like so much that you can't even, you know, hang on to all of the blessings, then you have to, you have to give that money blessings out. Does that make sense? It's all over the Bible. Jesus taught it. Paul taught it. I want to show you one more passage because it's so good in Proverbs chapter 3. Does anybody love the Bible? Does anybody love it? It's so good. It's so insightful. Watch this, Proverbs chapter 3. You may not love this verse. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Honor the Lord with your wealth. What does that mean? Put him first when it comes to your money. And with the best part, the, 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 the original translation is first fruits, the first tenth. Honor the Lord with the first part of your income for everything that comes in your household. Now, what does that mean? Well, most of us will wait till the end of the month and we'll see, well, what else do we have left here after we've paid the mortgage and we've done the, you know, paid the insurance and paid off some medical loans or credit card debt or the car payment. Do we have anything left over maybe to give to the church or to honor God with? And if there's none left, there's none left. Oh, well, my bills are what my bills are. I can't give this month. That's the reverse of what Proverbs chapter 3 is teaching. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The best part, the first fruit, the first tenth. In other words, when Jackie and I get paid... The first bill that we pay, if you want to call it a bill, it's not really a bill, it's an opportunity. The first, the first thing we write a check to is to the church. The best part, the first fruit. We don't wait till the end of the month and say, hey, is there anything left? Like after we've gone out to eat and to a movie and paid everything, you know, kids are expensive and all these different clothes and shoes and stuff we got to keep up buying. 
No, we don't wait to the end. The first thing we do, we honor the Lord with the wealth and we bring the best part to church. If you and I do that, watch what happens. This is an if-then equation. Then, if you honor the Lord with your wealth, he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And I just got some of your attention. Wine? Where's the wine? <laughs> wine in church? Your pastor and he's giving out wine? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And neither is God. That's this, the, the, the grain and the wine are just, these are, these are things that would, would show that you, you were blessed in, in Old Testament times, that, that, you had, you, that you had God's favor on your life. Today it would be different things. If then, if you honor the Lord with your wealth, then God will fill your, fill your life with blessings. It's, I'm telling you, it's all over this book. I could keep going on passage to passage to passage, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sum it up for you in your notes here. If you're generous to others, God will be generous to you. It's just in the Bible, folks. And most of us look at this and we go, okay, I agree with that. You just showed me four different passages, Proverbs 11, 25, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Luke 6, 38, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. I could show you others. I'm not going to disagree with you. I actually think it's true. This is in the Bible, but I ain't doing it. 79% of you are in that category. Almost eight out of 10 of you would say, you're probably right. It probably says that in the book. I probably am missing out on a lot of blessings because I'm not generous. I'm still not doing it. Why? Because you lack faith in the God of the resupply. And I get it. Because it's human. It's human to think in, minds, in, in, in thoughts of, of scarcity or, or in the mindset of scarcity. Like, here's how much pie I have. If I give some to you, I lose. I have to keep it. Besides, I've got all these bills to pay. I get it. I'm going to show you a story today that's going to help us overcome this obstacle. Can I share it with you? It's about a widow, another widow, not the same widow from last week. <laughs> we could have called this series, you know, Do What the Widow Did. That would have been a bad series name. <laughs> but then we're going to talk about another widow this week. And, and this widow is in the Old Testament. And uh, this widow was instructed directly by God to take care of a prophet named Elijah. And he was the prophet who got taken up in the whirlwind and didn't have to die. Wouldn't that be cool if he didn't have to die? Anyway, let me show you what happens here in 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, 17. Sorry. So the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed, another version says, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Isn't it interesting sometimes how God takes care of us? Through a widow? God, you're going you're gonna to provide? Like what do widows have? Right? A little context here. There's a famine in the land. And so there's just not a lot of food going around. And everybody's struggling to stay alive. And Elijah doesn't have any food. So God comes to this widow and says, hey, I'm going to send you my man, my main man, my main man, Eli, Elijah. He's coming to you and you are going to feed him. Great. Awesome. So he shows up. Watch what happens in verse 10. So he goes to where, you know, she, she lives and he arrives at the gates of the village and he says to the widow who was gathering sticks, can you bring me a cup of water, essentially? And as she was going to get it, he also called her, hey, by the way, can you also bring me a bite of bread? Okay. To which she responds in a very human way, in the way 80% of you do and I have in the past. Watch what she says in verse 12. I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. 
and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and the little cooking oil left in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this one last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die. A little dramatic. Here's what she says. Um, Mr. Prophet man, Mr. Godly man, Mr. Holy man, <laughs> uh, the answer is no because this is all I got. I know God instructed me to feed you, but he doesn't understand. 80% of you are saying to me right now, Pastor Godly Danny, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> Mr. Pastor, I know God says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and I know he says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, and I know, I know, but you don't understand. Because all I have is this little bit of oil and this little bit of flour, and it's good enough for one more meal, and then, then, and then I'm going to die. Which may have been true, honestly. There was a famine in the land, and, and everybody was, you know, didn't have anything. So she deliberately disobeys the instruction. Isn't that interesting? She was instructed to feed Elijah. She says, nope. And many of us here today have been instructed. And you've said, nope. Doesn't work. In fact, you went home and you ran the numbers last week. My pastor Danny sacrificed. <laughs> he didn't know the bills I have and the child support and this and that and credit card debt. The numbers don't work. Essentially, that's what she says to Elijah. Um, Mr. Prophet, I've run the numbers. They don't work. On paper, this, thing, this deal doesn't work. I cannot make you any bread. So Elijah has to come alongside of her in verse 13, and he has to sort of coach her to move towards obedience and generosity. Listen to what he says to her in verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Oh, that is it. In fact, if you're taking notes, the title of my talk today is Don't Be Afraid. We're afraid. There's only so much pie. If I give it away, I have, I'm not going to make it. We, we are fearful of not being able to do what we need to do. And, and I'm right there with you. Jackie and I, we've got three kids and like they're all getting ready to go to college. And have you seen the costs of college lately if you do not have a Division I athlete in your family? Or some sort of 1600 SAT, you know, whiz kid. Have you seen those costs? Like, like we all live there. It's like, wait a second. You want me to, but have you seen? Have you seen that? What's going on? So he comes alongside of her and says, you're given into fear. Do not be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But, there's that but again. <laughs> Big butts in the Bible, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left over to prepare a meal for you, for yourself and your son. This doesn't even make sense. Like some of you think I don't even make sense. This doesn't even make sense. Wait, didn't you just hear me? I only have enough to make one more, you know, loaf of bread and, and then we're going to die. And then he gives her the promise. Watch this in verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will, say it with me, always, all of our campuses, always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. If you would just trust me, 
I promise you, no matter how many loaves of bread you make, you will always have enough flour and oil to make the next meal. Why does that work? I don't know. I have no idea. This is one of those scenarios in church where in the Bible, we say, but that, how does that actually work? I don't know. I have no idea. Here's what happens when you become generous. Here's what happens when you obey God. You give God space to do the miraculous. When you, tried, when you decide to trust God with the tithes, even though on paper it doesn't work out, when you decide to move towards generosity because you believe in a God of resupply, you open up the doors for God to do something that you go, I don't know how that happened. I can't explain it. But the opposite is also true. When we hold on to it and say, I can't, and you know, it doesn't work, and I gotta hoard, and I gotta you know, watch out for myself, we close the door on the opportunity for God to show up and do something we've never seen him do before. And we fail to come to know the God who does miracles. Wow. So God says through Elijah, you'll always have enough. And this widow has enough courage and enough wisdom and enough trust to actually do what he says. Look at verse 15. She did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many, many days. Watch what happens in verse 16. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had, say it with me, promised. This is a promise. The generous will be blessed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's a promise. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of everything that you produce. And all of your house will be filled with grain and your vats will be overflowing with new wine. This is a promise. In your notes, this is how I wrote it. You will always have what you need because I am the God of resupply. That is, that is what God is saying to this woman and that is what God is saying to you. And he's saying to you today, do not be afraid. Trust me in this. I will bless you. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with this crossroads, this, well, am I going to trust him or am I going to not? And I would encourage you as your pastor to put God to the test in this. I don't often say that. In fact, I'm pretty sure that most of you know the Bible says not to put the Lord your God to the test. Have you read the book? Does it not say that? Do not test the Lord your God. But in this area and in this one area, this singular area of money, God says, put me to the test. Listen to what he says in Malachi chapter three. Bring all of the tithes. The tithe is not an offering. It's not 2%. It's not 7%. It's 10% of everything that comes in your house. Bring 10% into the storehouse or the temple, the modern day church today, so that there will be enough food in my temple. Why do they need food in the temple? Well, that's where the priests and the Levites lived. That's where the animals lived. They had to feed the priests, the Levites. They had to feed the animals. They had to take care of the temple. There was upkeep, much, much like the modern day church. Bring in the tithes so that the temple can run properly. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, watch this, here's the promise. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it all in. And then he says this, try it. Try it and put me to the test. 
I'm telling you, I've read the book. There is no other place in this book where it says we're permitted to do that. Not one other place. But when it comes to money, he says, you just try it. You test me. You bring in the tithe and see if I won't bless your life. Two weeks ago, I talked about how I can't even get a box of Cheerios for myself in my own house. If you were here for that, you heard that sermon. There's a scarcity of Cheerios. And it's because we have these uh, children that act like termites and they eat, they eat all the Cheerios. And I've been praying about that. And God answered my prayers. This week, the delivery came in. I'm not kidding. This is what came into the church this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're looking at it. We've got honey nut, we've got chocolate, we've got pumpkin. Did you know that they made pumpkin Cheerios? I didn't know. And they all have my name on it. See that? Dad, oh, they're upside down there. See that? God has shown his favor upon Pastor Danny. The windows of heaven have opened up and I have no room to put these in my cupboard. There's not enough space. No, seriously, that actually happened. I did not buy those. Somebody delivered those. Now, that's funny. But let me talk about something that really happened. Many years ago, when uh, Jackie and I were 20, 23 years old, uh, we just built a house, small little ranch. We had, I think, two kids, maybe just one. And uh, we were like everybody else, just like, hey, you know. Get a car, get a house, student loan, you know, credit card bill, whatever. One income family. We made about $40,000 a year. And this tithe challenge got put out in front of us. We're like, what? How would we, how would we do that? Like, the math doesn't work. You make $40,000 a year, you have a brand new house payment, car payment, student loan payment. Babies pooping, throwing up on stuff everywhere. Diapers, formula, all that stuff. But we took the challenge. Back when we had a one in, we were a one income family, we took the 10% challenge. And I, don't even, I can't even explain this. I don't even know how it happened. And it was one of those deals where it was like, well, how, did, how does that work? Like we didn't have enough and, and then all of a sudden we had enough. We got a notice in the mail. I went to Liberty University, took out a student loan there, graduated with some debt. And I can't, honestly can't remember what the balance was, but it was in the thousands of dollars. It could have been 10000 8000 And our payment was around $260 or so, which for us, you know, that was a, a lot of money for us. And we got a notice in the mail one day that said, you know, uh, the, the student loan was forgiven. And we're like, what? And I asked my wife about it the other day, and she said, I don't know how that happened. My, I long for you to be able to share a story where you're like, we did, we obeyed God and we gave, and I don't know how it happened. I don't know who paid it off. I don't know why I got that raise. I don't know how I got that new job. I don't know who paid off my debt. I don't know who, can't, I, don't, I don't know how it happened. I just decided to trust God and return the tithe. After the nine o'clock service, the lady came down front. She was so excited. She's like, oh my gosh, everything you said is true. Years ago, we started giving, and then this happened, and this happened. And she went on and on and on. I said, you need to make a video. (laughs) Can I have your name? (laughs) We're going to show your testimony sometime in the future. 
And, and there's others of you right now. If we pass the microphone right now, you'd be like, oh, give it to me. Because I want to tell about how, you know, we've been tithing for 10 years and this happened and this happened and we got scholarships and, you know, someone paid this debt off or whatever. And I've got stories. About 20% of you, the other 80% have no stories. You would love to tell a story. You'd love, you, you're like, well, why is Pastor Danny the only one that gets to talk about this stuff? Give me the mic. Because I want to tell about how good God has been because we've been generous. And he's opened up the windows of heaven and blessings have come down. That is the reality. God says, when you trust me with the tithe, I will bless you and I will resupply you. This is not a scarcity thing. There's, this is an abundance deal. Now, I believe this so much that, that I'm going to say something that, that you know, may trip me up. And I don't even have permission from our elders to say this, but I think they will support me. Hopefully. <laughs> I believe in this so much that if you decided today to say, you know what, I, I, I am fearful. And, that, and because of my fear, I, I have not returned the tithe or given. I'm going to say this to you. If you decide today to do it, and in 90 days from now, you are not entirely blessed and have enough and in your containers to keep moving forward. If you, if you would come to me in 90 days and say, man, I took that tithe challenge and 10%, now, now, now they're going to repo my car. And, and I might get kicked out of my apartment because you, you challenged me to do 10%. I obeyed God and now I'm, now I'm screwed. If that should happen, we will pay you back every dime. And then we will help you get your apartment, stay in your apartment. That's how much I believe this. If you're going to clap, clap. I mean, if it, and that's not me. Why, why would I say that? I'm not even trusting, in, I'm not even trusting in, in, in how much money we have in our savings account. I'm not even trusting in myself. I'm trusting in the God of the resupply. I'm trusting in the God who says, before you do what you're about to do, just go ahead and, 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 and give back first. And then you will always have enough left in your containers. That's the God that I'm trusting in. Will you trust him? My wife and I have been trusting him for 18 years with the tithe. And we've even gone a little bit past that because we just believe in the God of the resupply. So we're going to receive our offering here in a moment. And you can give through our app. You can text the word give to 65248. The, you'll get a link that shows up. You just click on the link. You can set up the amount that you want or what you think 10% is. Or maybe 10% is too high. Maybe, maybe you do the burrito challenge. You just get in the game with $10 a week or the Marlboro challenge. We talked about that last week. It's five bucks a week. Something. Maybe that requires faith for you. The buckets are going to be passed here in a moment. Here's my heart for you. My heart for you is to trust God so that you can see him be God. My heart for you is that you could give with joy. You know, when the Apostle Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians, listen to what he says here. We'll wrap up with this. He says, each one of us should decide in our heart the amount that we're, we're going to give. Not reluctantly. Very, very important. Not reluctantly. Not out of compulsion. I don't want you to give today because like, oh man, Pastor Denise, wear me out. Gosh, he just makes me feel so guilty. And, and where's my phone? And gosh, I guess I'll text the word give to six, five, two, four, eight. <sighs> Will you get on to the next series already, Pastor Danny? Like, I don't want you to give reluctantly. 
or out of compulsion, like, oh, you're just forcing me to do it. My gosh, if I give, will you shut up? <laughs> I don't, that's not what God wants. He, he would rather have you give because he lo- from a joyful heart because he, he loves, a, say it with me, a cheerful. Like somebody's like, where's the bucket? Where's the bucket? Where's the bucket? Where's the bucket? When's it coming? When's it coming? When's it coming? Pass it faster. Can't wait to put my offering in. Like that's the kind of giver he wants. Not one who gives reluctantly or from compulsion or out of a guilty conscience. He wants you to get excited about this deal. How do you get excited about it? How do you become a cheerful giver? You, you, get, you get excited because you see that, that, that giving back to God opens up the door for God to do the miraculous, for you to have stories of provision and resupply. Say, I don't know how it happened. I want that for you, and I want that for myself. My question to you today before we receive our offering is, will you trust him? Don't be afraid Will you put him to the test in this? If it totally fails, we'll give back every dime. And then some. If our elders say yes. They will, they will. (laughs) Will you trust him? I'm gonna have our ushers come down at all of our campuses. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna receive our offering. You do as God moves on your heart. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak about this unbelievable promise you give us in the scriptures, that if we're generous to others, you'll be generous to us. If we would sacrifice to help others, you will resupply us. It doesn't even make sense on paper, God. Thank you for an opportunity to step out in faith, for your people to step out in faith and trust you and come to see you as the God of the resupply. I cannot wait to hear the stories, Father, of how you have provided for your people. And I know, God, if we do that, you will use the resources to triple and even quadruple our impact in the world. And we will see greater things done in your name. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's a pretty big challenge that we all receive towards the end of this series. Not only to trust trust God with your generosity, but to trust him and allow him that space to where he can do only what he can do. And I hope that that was convicting for you. I hope that, that this service has blessed you. And I hope that it, it's a challenge that you will leap into and that you will take. But for some of you today, we need to back up a little bit just because you need to understand where this idea comes from, where this, this generosity and this idea of sacrifice comes from. We hear this idea and this phrase thrown around a lot that says, you know, I would never ask you to do something I didn't do myself. God operates much in the same way because the sacrifice that God made for each and every single one of us was complete and it was total and he went first. He's not asking you to sacrifice anything that he would not sacrifice for each and every single one of us, for our coworkers, our friends, our colleagues, our families, these people that we're relentlessly pursuing. And see what this sacrifice looked like was Jesus Christ giving every single thing that he had and sacrificing in ways and giving in ways that we don't think about. And he gave in ways that many of us would not give. He gave himself over to be utterly and completely humiliated. He gave himself over to be, to be embarrassed, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be tortured. And then with his last breath, he gave everything he had. He gave his life. And he rose again, conquering the penalty of sin and death so that you and I could each have a relationship with our eternal father. Is anybody thankful for that sacrifice today?
But for some of you, you haven't stepped into that relationship yet. You don't even know how. You don't know what that looks like. I'm gonna tell you how. You go to Jesus right now. Because this isn't about joining a church. This isn't about joining a religion. This isn't about getting your name on a plaque for a membership wall that doesn't exist here. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you go to him right now. If you're watching online, you go to him. You ask him for forgiveness of your sins. You say, I want to align my life with everything that you want me to do. I want to turn away from my past. I want to accept this perfect gift. You do that today, you're a child of God. So I'm going to pray this prayer. You follow right along with me. You, you speak it directly to Jesus. Jesus, I come to you begging for forgiveness. Jesus, I have sinned. I've made mistakes. But today, I want to turn away from all of it and I want to commit my life to you. Jesus, I accept your perfect sacrifice. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again, conquering the penalty of my sin. And Jesus, I am thankful for that and I wanna be with you forever. Help me to walk with you, wash me, cleanse me, and make me new today. Jesus, it's in your name that I humbly pray Amen. All right, if you just prayed this prayer, we want to celebrate with you right now. So let's celebrate with these people. They're celebrating in heaven. Now look, as part of this, we want to be generous to you. So go back to the back corner, wherever you're at. See the folks at the New Believers table. We want to put a New Believers New Testament Bible in your hands. If you're online, you just prayed this prayer, let us know in the comments and we will get one of these to you. Can we give it up one more time for what God is doing in this place?